0: What is up team? Welcome back to the show. Today I am joined by Sue Bush. Sue, thank you so much for being here.
1: Of course. Thanks so much for having me.
0: It is my pleasure. So first of all, for the listeners who might not know, um, you've been on the podcast, but I believe it's been about two years now. Can you just give us a quick intro on who you are and what you're up to?
1: First, how has two years gone by, my Isn't that crazy? I was literally not thinking I'd been that long. Um, But uh, my name is Sue Bush. Um, You've probably if you listen to this podcast, just heard my husband, Alex Bush on here, um, not too many episodes ago, and him and I and our other co owner, Austin, own a company called physique development. And we have a team and a staff of coaches, but just a little bit more about me personally. Um, I actually just did our own podcast because we have our own podcast about my whole fitness journey. So if you listen to this, and you're really curious about kind of my whole whole story, then that is, um, I think it's episode like 43 of our podcast or something, but it's labeled Sue's Fitness Journey. um, And you can check that out. But I am Sue Gaines on Instagram with a Z. I am a bikini competitor, and I've been competing since 2016. Um, And my husband, Alex, is actually my coach, um, full for training and nutrition. Um, And I've been into training and fitness about since 2015. um, And it had kind of happened in college. And I made the switch and went through my first bikini competition um, while also getting certified as a CPT and was like, man, I love this. Who cares about what I'm going to college for? Let's do fitness. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I love it. Um, your story, I, I would definitely, for the listeners, would recommend go. And I'll link that up in the show notes also. But go check out the PD podcast. and i really enjoyed your story from the mindset perspective as well like all the challenges i don't think i've heard you talk about that before but especially with like these transitions and your friend groups and like all you had to like how big of a shift that was that was super cool to hear and i think there were so many nuggets from like the mindset perspective especially the somebody that trying to undertake a transformation like that can value from um and like we mentioned on Alex's podcast, we as a team really appreciate all of you over at Physique Development. Um, Andrea has worked with Sue for well over a year. Um, it's been super cool to see you guys go through the pod, go through the process of getting ready for a photo shoot. And I know I've learned so much from Alex. So we really appreciate you guys. And I always <laughs> want to make sure we acknowledge that as well because we've learned so much from y'all.
1: Well, thank you. We, we love you guys too. So it's been great <laughs> it to be able lot, to have man. this collaborative um, process throughout all of it.
0: Perfect. So, really, I wanted this conversation to be around your improvement season since your last bodybuilding show. So, it very much seems from following you on Instagram over the last couple of years. Um, how long has your improvement season been now?
1: Um, it was about two years. So, I think in total, it was it was a little bit shy of two years. I think it was like twenty months or twenty-two months or something like that. Um, that mm-hmm. was the total length of the improvement season.
0: Okay. Okay. So, and we'll dig into like what all an improvement season entails a little bit later on. But just for a little bit of context, that's basically 20 months away from dieting, away from like trying to lose weight on the scale and just focusing on fueling yourself and building. And it seems like you've been so productive during this time that I really wanted this conversation to just kind of be centered around what you've done to make that so productive. Now, to kick things off, you are, as you mentioned, coached by Alex, your husband. Now, typically, I found at least anecdotally, like the, hey, I'm just gonna have my husband hold me accountable, or I'm just gonna have my (laughs) husband, like, come up with a plan for me, because he's pretty fit, which, of course, the dynamic there is a little bit different. But still, often, that's very, very often, the significant other also playing the coach role is something that doesn't seem to work out very well. Like, What do you think it is about the dynamic between you two that's allowed you two to be so successful with this when most people struggle?
1: Yeah, it's, it's definitely something that is a completely different uh, situation to be in. And it is something where, honestly... We couldn't have done it before the point that we did do it. Um, so it's something that Alex has actually been doing my training since 2017 when we met. So he's been mm-hmm. doing my training from 2017. There's been no one else ever doing my training. He's been doing it. But uh, for my first competition, I had a coach that did my training and nutrition. Then into my improvement season, like I said, Alex took over that training. That coach was still doing my nutrition. And then through my second show, same coach doing the nutrition. And then I had gone. Off on my own, nutrition wise, for a little bit. I was just in a place that was very transformative within our lives, and I just needed a, a second. And I was also going through some hormonal changes um, and trying to get that figured out with a lot of doctor visits. And so it was something that I kind of just took on and was like, I, I don't want to do this with a nutrition coach. And we had kind of discussed at that point of Alex taking over my training and nutrition, um, but at that point we were pretty newly married, and so it was something that that we were uber aware and uber honest with ourselves as far as what we could handle. I knew that, and Jeremiah and I were talking about this right before we hit record, I'm someone who needs affirmation. And so within our marriage, I wanted to make sure that I was getting affirmation from my husband. And it wasn't this two pronged of like my coach telling me I had to lose weight, or like he needed to change something about my body, where I really just wanted to be married to my husband. And the reason that the training aspect worked is that he wasn't sitting there telling me like exactly what I needed to do and micromanaging different parts of me. He was sending me my training and he knew I was going to execute it. And so he was in touch with nutrition coaches at that time to make sure things were good to go. Then my most recent prep, I had a different nutrition coach and we went through the whole process and it just was something where that coach was a phenomenal coach, but um, he didn't have a lot of experience working with bikini athletes. And he didn't have a lot of experience working within uh, unenhanced people, so natural competitors. And so obviously for natural versus enhanced competitors, it's a different you need to be able to do things differently. You cannot mm-hmm. treat them the exact same. And so I just felt pretty much like, I, I don't really want to do this right now. Like I'm going to go ahead and um, like do my reverse with this coach and then kind of decide what I want to do from there. And then one day, Alex walked into my office completely not in conversation about anything. He just walks in. He goes, what if I do it all? And I was like, I'm going to need a little bit more context before I answer that question. Um, And he was like, what if I do your training and nutrition? Like, let's do it together. And we had a serious conversation at that point of if our relationship was in a good spot, our marital relationship, but also we have a business relationship where we own a company together. And so we've had to jump through and learn a lot in regards to how to keep our marriage in the forefront, um, then being able to have our business relationship and not have personal things run into that. And that really helped us in regards to then transitioning to him being my full coach. And it's also something where I did a lot of work. And like I said earlier, where I needed that affirmation, I needed him to just be my husband. Then I had to do some internal work as far as like how I felt about myself and why I didn't want him to possibly like change things or look at my physique in a certain way or whatever that may be. So um, the business relationship really helped plus me doing inner work him and I communication skills getting so much better from who we were four years ago it is insane Um, and then the fact that I knew he has knowledge of how to work with natural and enhanced athletes and he's in a spot where um, he is going to give it his all because this is something that we've talked about as far as when a family is coming into the picture and Mm -hmm. he was like we're going to take this jab and we're going to do it right and we're going to get it done like no more of me like kind of biting my tongue because I don't want to step on the other coach's toes. I want to just get it done. So um, that was a very long winded answer to say that it doesn't normally work. But if you can have that good communication and have that separation of this is me talking to you as my husband versus wife slash significant other versus this is me talking to you as my coach or client, and we'll even say, hey, I I just want you to be my husband right now or um, hey, I'm asking as a client. Or, um, Hey, I'm asking as a business partner so that we have that clear separation of this is how I need you to respond or talk to me and to be able to move through that. Okay. Okay.
0: I love that. So essentially it was kind of an improvement in both your ability to compartmentalize this and not necessarily take it personally, like any feedback or like criticism there may be in there. Is that pretty accurate?
1: Yeah. And especially just knowing the sport more, we can have more intelligent conversations and like specifics about the physique instead of saying like, oh, we just need to get this. We just need your waist smaller. We're able to sit and like analyze pictures of competitors together and talk like about the protocol and have something that's the, the best Fit for it, so being able to just have the understanding of the sport is so helpful. So I'm not Mm -hmm. getting my feelings hurt or something um, along that line. So not to say he would ever hurt my feelings. I don't want to sound like, oh my gosh, Alex says mean things to his client. (laughs) I'm just saying, in regards to a relationship, it's a little bit different of how you want someone to view your body versus uh, your coach.
0: (laughs) Yeah, no, no, I love that so much, and it is so awesome you two have been able to work that so well i know for like we have a garage gym and my girlfriend works out with me in there sometimes and for me it's like it's this is like so fun right like a coach you through form and like i see this thing you can improve and you could get such a better stimulus from this you change this like isn't that cool and then she's like yeah like don't don't do that like don't tell me what to change so um uh, definitely something that we are still working through but i don't know if we've been quite as productive in that realm as you do <laughs> um so you and Alex travel a ton. Um, just from following you guys on Instagram, it's exhausting to see like during the season how much you guys are constantly on the go. Now, when doing this, it would be so easy to tell yourself I'm too busy. Um, but it really seems like you've done an incredible job managing your training and your nutrition despite your schedule what being what seems like just chaos. Um, what do you think are the biggest things you've done well During this time to make it sort of productive, despite your schedule being so crazy? Does that question make sense?
1: Yes. Um, And it is something where what it is is what it seems. It is extremely chaotic. Um, There was a stint um, in. I'd last year, the year before, where I don't think we were home for seven days in a row for like multiple months. Um, there was not a week that we had seven full days at home. Um, and that can really wear you down. It can really take right. a toll on people. Um, and it definitely took its toll. And it's something that like these weekends that we don't have much, I very much so cherish. But navigating through that, I mean, I get that question a lot, because I also have clients that travel and they're like, well, how do you do that? And I think that. it's important, especially in this context, to talk about how it looks in your life. So if you're traveling only every once in a while and for a vacation, some of these things I talk about are not going to be applicable. But there is a point within being a client that you can't just use travel as an excuse. Now again, in a lifestyle situation where you barely travel and you have you talk through the travel situations, completely different than if for your job you have to travel a good amount because you can't just say, like, oh, I'll get back on it Monday, because that's not going to be very productive whatsoever. And so I had to be honest with myself of hey, this is how much I'm going to travel. If I'm wanting to continue to compete, then I need to make this a priority. And so within that, it was learning about my travel tendency tendencies, my travel habits, and how to be the most efficient within travel. And so it's something we've gotten pretty locked down after multiple, multiple, multiple traveling stints. Um, And we even have our podcast on like how to travel, um, how to like handle nutrition when you're traveling, and how to handle training when you're traveling. Um, But to dive into it um, a little bit quicker here, it's something where um, I found out all right, this is what the TSA rules are for food. This is exactly how I need to pack my food. This is exactly what's going to be the most space efficient. Um, and here are things that I know if I run into an issue that I can go and get food that place. So it's something where, I mean, I've made multiple videos and articles on the TSA guidelines because I've had to get to know them pretty dang well. Um, so that I don't get pulled out and my stuff doesn't get thrown away because that's money and food just going down the drain. Um, so it became it's something where basically every time we travel a day or two before, you'll start seeing our kitchen look the same way where I have our supplements portioned out, I have our protein powder or any powders po- portioned out so that it's more space efficient within our suitcase, not putting big clunky um, pill containers or like pre-workout stuff. Um, It's something where we kind of have a baseline of, hey, this is how we're going to make our meals the simplest. So we're not bringing a million different things. We'll have it mostly meal prepped, ready to go. And in certain circumstances, depending if it's a longer travel, um, then we'll make a plan as far as like getting um, to the place, getting to the grocery store and being able to prep food there. Um, I also have like cooktops that I travel with if needed, but oftentimes the more just make and do with a microwave and that's a okay. Um, but it's been something of learning how to efficiently travel with food to make it the easiest and the less stressful. I mean, we've all heard it fail to prepare. You're preparing to fail. And it is so true. That's why it's said so often is (laughs) that if I just went and I was like, Oh, I'm going to hit my macros. I likely want it because right. you sometimes like the layovers are wrong. The plane times are long. You get to a place, no stores are open because COVID has like shut down half the things in the airport. Um, you're in a spot where maybe a line's too long and it's not the right gate and all of this. So the more that you can be prepared, the easier things are going to be. And the easier it is to follow the plan as well. My backpack, I've not switched out for a different backpack because it has like hell of pockets on it. And I put snacks all in there. And I have it planned for Alex and I to both hit our food and to be efficient within it. Now, within an improvement season, we do have some more flexibility of, hey, I'm gonna have like these two meals ready to go. And then like we'll play this meal by ear and then I'll have this. Um, But within a prep, obviously, I have absolutely everything I could ever need. And every single meal already pre planned. So I'm leaving nothing up to chance and nothing up to, yeah, nothing up to chance basically. Um, and then within gyms, again, we got efficient within how to pack our equipment if we were packing anything, but most of the time I just bring my training log and a stopwatch. Um, and then, um, before we travel, we'll see where the closest gyms are. We'll map it out. We'll call to see if they have day passes or week passes or whatever's going to be best suited for us. So we scope everything out beforehand. We look at how close a grocery store is, see if they have shipped or Instacart in the area. And again, if you're listening to us and you're like, holy shit, that is too much stuff to do. I get it. But it is contextual as far as what your goals are. If it's lifestyle, again, I don't do all of that. But in regards to being efficient within a prep and improvement season, you need to be able to do the boring stuff and you need to be able to do it efficiently. And so, yes, it seems like a lot. And sometimes it still does stress me out. But we have a system. We have a plan. I understand all of the rules and all of the roadblocks I might hit. And that did take a while to figure out. It wasn't like the first time. I traveled, I was perfect. Each time I learned something new, I took that forward and then made the changes. So each time I travel, it gets easier and easier and easier um, to make sure I have everything planned out so that I can enjoy the travel or be present with what I need to be present with instead of being stressed about where food's at or what I'm going to eat or if I'm going to hit my macros where, again, I already know because I have everything ready.
0: Yeah, there's quite a bit to unpack there. Um, first, I really like how you touch on the fact that, hey, this isn't necessarily what I think everyone should do, right? Because as you laid out there, like you do a ton in order to set yourself up for success here. But I think basically it sounds like what you're making clear here is just how much like, effort needs to match expectations, right? Like I know you mentioned like a lifestyle client. Or, like, if your goal was – if your focus was just lifestyle, you might not necessarily take it, like, to quite this level. Is that pretty accurate?
1: Yeah. It 100% is. I in improvement seasons, like I said, it might be a little bit more flexible. Um, but if when I stop competing or what that looks like, I'll still have a baseline of what makes me feel best when I travel because I also mm-hmm. don't like eating out for every meal or having to like go and get food when I'm just like a lot of times we're working when we're traveling. So that's right. not efficient with my time to have to go pick up food, come back to the hotel, have a rental car, like all of that stuff or pay the expensive for Uber Eats and then the food's cold and shitty. And so it's some where there's going to be a baseline for each person that makes them feel their best, but exactly what you said of matching that effort and expectations, and that's something I very much so talk with with clients in general. Of if you have an expectation of how successful you're going to be or what's going to happen, your effort has to match that. If you're sitting here and you're thinking, "Oh, I um, am wanting to make." As many improvements as Sue has in her improvement season, and then you don't plan ahead, you're not being conscientious, you're not taking initiative, you're not being proactive, you're not doing some of this stuff that takes a lot of effort, you're likely not going to see the same progress. And it's even something I remind myself of when I'm doing meal prep and hating it. I'm like, hey, Even though I dislike this, first, I know how much better it makes me feel to have this food. But second, I can't sit here and say I want to be a pro if I'm not going to act like it and I'm not going to have that effort match that. And so if your effort is not matching your expectations, you have zero room to be upset that you haven't reached that expectation because it's right in front of you why you haven't.
0: I love that so much. I think that is just such an important thing to understand. I really like how you frame that as like, you can't be upset if you're not getting the same level of results as I am in a building phase, if you're not also willing to do these things. And again, it's it's okay. Like if you don't, if you're not willing to put that much in, that's hundred percent fine. But like, we have to make sure that our expectations of our results match that. So on a very similar topic, um, I think in a building phase, it's a little bit easier to kind of fall into going through the motions versus like in a fat loss phase where we seem to have like much quicker feedback and like seeing the visual changes is just typically more motivating i found versus the building phase and it's just again so easy to fall into just going through the motions what do you feel like it is that you've done to kind of avoid falling into that trap
1: I will say that it has taken multiple building seasons and just experiences outside of dieting and also understanding the human body and why you can't diet all of the time. That's been so, so helpful for me because it was something that, um, uh, I, so many competitors, especially fall into and women, if we're yeah. generalizing, fall into a habit of chronic dieting or chronic prepping. And it's because oftentimes, especially females are put into a box of having to be smaller. And so the concept of bulking or gaining weight or taking time away from dieting is very scary for a lot of people. But if you want to see change in your physique, um, the success or the key to successful dieting is time away from dieting. And so me recognizing that and realizing that was a huge part of it locking in mentally, because a lot of it in regards to competing, as well as just your health in general is gonna be mental um, because your mentality is gonna give out before your physical will will. Um, So it's oftentimes that your body can push through, but your mind is telling you you can't. And so being able to have that click into place was so helpful. And then when it comes to like dieting, like you said, 12 weeks in dieting, you can see hella results versus 12 weeks in a building phase. that's a freaking drop in a bucket. Um, So it's very important to uh, shift your goals away from, completely looking at your physique. So of course, I still took progress pictures and was still tracking my progress along the way with scale weight and measurements and my logbook and all of that. But it was something where I had the mindset of, hey, you're wanting to improve, you're wanting to grow more muscle, with that comes adding more weight. And so recognizing that and accepting that and taking the step forward, also knowing I had a coach on my side that was gonna do everything to allow me to be successful was very easy uh, or made it easier. And then um, the other aspect there is, like I said, focusing on different goals. So shifting instead of, oh, I can't wait to see the scale go down or see a new line or see a new shred or something like that. I was able to focus on, I can't wait to hit this PR I can't wait to lift stronger and look at the life gains. It is so freaking important. I've never had a thing like um, a problem with taking time away from the stage because prep is so selfish and it is something where you have to give so much of yourself to it to be successful. I mean, if you're trying to become a pro at something, you're obviously not going to just be kind of dibble-dabbling around. And so it's something that When I'm done with a prep, I'm normally like, I need some space away from this. First, getting competition lean. I personally don't want my body to look like that all the time. Now, I think it's so cool. I love the human body. I think competing is Like it intrigues me and will intrigue me for the rest of my life. But it's also something that I've lived in an improvement season body and in a prep body. And I take note of kind of the things that change in prep. I am more irritable. I have a lower libido. I have less energy. I have, um, sometimes less strength, not always. Um, I am more hungry and my clothes don't fit as good. And I make note of the negative sides of prep, not to say that prep is all negative, but to not sit and romanticize it or look at it in rose colored glasses of, I just want to be that lean again, where it's like, yeah, it's super freaking cool to be that lean, but I'd much rather be able to get that lean and then be able to prioritize time with my husband to go travel and have fun and not have to bring every single ounce of my food Um, to be able to like have higher energy and like a better attitude because when you get into the depths of prep, your attitude can be a little stinky personally or bratty. Um, And so being able to recognize those things, I was able to shift because I was like, hey, I'm ready for something different. And so being able to focus on business, being able to focus on life, being able to focus on relationships, and even my own mental well-being of putting the focus there, still having focus on exactly what my goal was, but not having it be the thing that all consumes me. Because if you let prep be completely consuming, that's where people struggle, is they cannot conceptualize, they cannot put something in context, and they only romanticize what prep is because of either social media or they haven't allowed themselves to pull back and see what the full picture is.
0: Do you feel like a lot of the clients you work with really struggle with that transition to like finding new things to focus on after a prep?
1: Yeah. And I think a lot of it comes from being in a place, like I said, where women are treated and told to be small their entire lives. And it's also something where, for again, women specifically, we have, we have a connection to either a number on the scale, um, oftentimes, or we have a connection to a size of clothing, um, or it's something where, again, we haven't been ever trying to gain weight or trying Mm -hmm. to put on muscle, So it's like a very hard mental switch to have. And so it's something that if you're in a place where you're reversing or you're going into an improvement season or you're a first time competitor, give yourself a little bit of grace in the fact that it's hard to navigate through something you've never done before. And so being able to really reflect on why you feel that way is really important. So if I'm going to sit again with the effort and expectations, if I'm going to sit here and say, I want to improve and I need more glute tissue and I need more shoulder tissue. How can I sit and complain when I have to go up a size in shorts when my glutes are growing? Because that's exactly what I wanted. And so it's not easy by any means. And I don't want to sit here and just be like, it's easy because you're just growing muscle (laughs) um, because it's hard. But being able to truly dive into that side of things and ask yourself why it's hard, why you don't want to see the scale go up, why you have a problem seeing your body a little bit softer because if you don't, then again, you get into a very bad mental loop as far as only wanting your body to be small and perpetuating that you only look good when you're small. So finding clothes that fit you. I don't buy smaller clothes for prep at all because I know as I gain weight, that's going to make me feel bad about myself. So I keep, I wear the same clothes and they just hang off of me in prep. And then I get excited about filling back out my jeans and stuff when I not in prep. Um, And then I'm not having to worry about clothes being way too small on me. And I feel uncomfortable because like clothes squeezing you isn't a fun feeling whatsoever. Um, And I focus on again, those activities that bring me joy outside of just the fact of being small.
0: I think that's so relatable for so many people. It is, so we don't work with competitors, but we get a lot of people ready for photo shoots, for example. And I know there's a couple of women who have just done like a photo shoot recently for the first time that I'm talking through that right now. Because like the first, also, I think when, even like if we compare, uh, I don't know why I'm having such trouble putting this into words. Like it seems like, again, also seeing yourself get that lean i think it's important to understand like how much that changes your perception of like what lean is going forward and i think it's still important to like understand as well like we don't just have to compare like you now to you at your leanest but also i think it's even cool to compare like you now to like last time you were at this point in the building phase like what changes have we seen how much stronger you are or even like the life gains you mentioned as well i think it's just so important to be able to shift your focus to all of those Different aspects, but also just as you said, just understand and acknowledge that this is typically something that's hard for most everybody, and you're not alone in that.
1: Yeah, and I, I think that's great that you mentioned. Like you've never seen your body this lean before, and I think that's the part that people really struggle with. So, for example, I had a client, and she came to me multiple years ago, we got her down to a weight that she felt a lot more comfortable at than we decided to prep. And it was something where she had never been small like that her whole entire life. Like it wasn't something like she just had never been that small ever before. Mm-hmm. And so going from when she first started with me from being on like a little bit more overweight to now being cl- like competition stage lean, that's mm-hmm. hard mentally to see yourself that small and to think it's just going to be easy seeing those lines fade and to change. And again, due to the media that we've consumed since we've been young and when, I mean, We grew up in the low rise gene era. That was not a fun era to be in about your body image. And like Paris Hilton, who was like zero inches around, like those were the people that were in the media. And so growing up, it's something where you always want that six pack ab. You always want to do X, Y, and Z. And then as I got older, I recognized, hey, I don't always want those. I want health. And so I had to focus on what that looked like for my health as a whole, instead of trying to chase what the media or other people were deeming was worthy of me as a whole. Um, So it's a great point that you brought up just you've never been that lean before. So you don't know what it's going to feel like as you reverse out of that. Um, But it's also something like within those life gains, I've had clients that'll say like, Oh, I thought I would see more physical progress. And I had one I was like, you got two higher degrees while you're working with me. You got two promotions (laughs) at work. You bought a house like... Let's be honest with ourselves. Like when we talk about priorities, no two things can be a top priority and that doesn't make it bad. I think people think that, hey, if like if I say it's not a priority, then people are going to take like that I'm not trying hard. You can first still try hard and it not be your number one priority um, and recognize that different stages in your life are going to have different priorities. And so it is something of, hey, yes, fitness was still a priority for that client, but her job and her marriage was like one and two. So fitness was like a three or four. It was still a priority. It just wasn't her absolute top priority. And so being able to also be realistic with yourself of what that looks like within a different stage of your life is so helpful um, because fitness is never my number one priority. My relationship and my husband is my number one priority. And then in family, like those clumped all together. Um, And then from there, it kind of is going between work and fitness and being able to have that in place. And so if I'm honest with myself, if that's what my priorities are, then life's going to be a lot easier than trying to trick myself for what's actually a priority.
0: So important. It's basically a conversation of trade-offs. And basically with every gimme, there's a gotcha, right? Where again, as you said, two things can't be your top priority. And I couldn't agree more. I think it's so important. I just Take the time to think through that because if you haven't like actually considered like where all these things fall in your priorities, you're probably just going to be constantly frustrated no matter what you do because yes. you're not making as much progress in some areas you want. So it's so important to think through. Um, so to bring this back to the improvement season a bit, is there? this is a very general question, um, but is there kind of a minimum amount of time you recommend somebody spend in an improvement season or building phase? Or generally, like, how do you help somebody identify about how long it should be?
1: As long as it takes. Um, that will be my very general answer to that question. But truthfully, it is something where you can always make a guesstimate or um, kind of make a plan. But it's something where, again, another cliche, you want to be strict with your goal, but flexible with your approach. And so if it's something where you stick to it and you're like, I'm going to compete exactly two years and this is this like competition I'm going to do in X, Y, and Z. If you haven't made the necessary changes or improvements or maybe maybe mentally or due to your schedule or life at that time, it's not the right time to prep. You've also put this undue pressure on yourself that you don't need and you probably vocalized it to other people. So now you feel this external pressure of, well, I said I was going to do this. Now I have to do it. Um, But I mean, if anyone's followed me personally for a while, I mean, my first prep, I was I was like new to social media and like new to fitness. So I don't even know if that like counts in regards to what I'm about to talk about. Um, but that like first improvement season, I had like some shows cause I was new to competing that I was like, Oh, it'd be cool to do this show or this show or like, I'd be cool to do the Ar- amateur Arnold because like, I like I'm from Columbus and all these different things, but I was just in my improvement season. And then it was kind of like, okay, we're going to talk about getting into this prep. And it was about a year and a half or two years after that first show show. Um, but, um, What people often do is they, again, they set these timelines for themselves and they end up not having as productive of a time and they feel like they have to go straight into it. Or within the competing world, they feel like they need to stay relevant and so they want to compete or possibly if they have sponsorships or deals or something, they feel like they need to compete more often to talk about those things. But um, my second prep, I did not post that I was even in prep at all, the whole entire prep, because I needed it mentally to just be in my own space. And the, um, third prep, I like posted barely and just kind of got like posted what I needed to and kind of moved on. And so it's something where I've never proclaimed, hey, I'm going to be back and doing this at this exact time or my improvement season is going to be this exact time. I've gone by, hey, when it's time, it's time. And this improvement season specifically has been the most true to that of just feeling like I've made the most progress in this improvement season. And part of that comes from compounded time doing what I need to do, as well as just maturing in life and in the sport. Um, so, I even though a lot of times, like the longer you train, people feel like the less progress you see. I feel like I finally, like, truly tapped into my body and optimized so many things. I feel like I'm Tom Brady being like, this is the <laughs> best I've ever felt um, when I'm like 40 years old. And hopefully, I feel that way. But um, it, it is something where, like, Don't try to put a timeline on it when you're ready, like go and do it from there. When you've seen the changes you need to see, because my mistake in past improvement seasons was just letting a certain amount of time pass. So I waited the year and a half, two years and I competed, but I wasn't always ready to compete and to see the changes to truly place better and to be progressive in that regard. Um, So it is something where like you, you might need a longer time. You might need three years to be competitive and you have to decide, am I willing to get up on that stage again and place the same or look the same just in order to get up there? Um, am I willing to wait longer to actually be competitive in the sport? Um, because I find people are pretty wishy-washy about the sport of feeling like they don't want to wait longer um, for whatever reason it may be even though they know that waiting longer will make them more competitive. And I think that's the biggest mistake people make is not recognizing again, Hey, if I want to be successful in this, I need to truly be honest with myself about when I'll be competitive. And that's something where I'll tell clients if they say something about the national stage, I'll be like, you will not be competitive. And I will not take you to the national stage until we have a shot at being competitive. Because first it sucks dick (laughs) to go to a show (laughs) and get last place. But the other side of that is like there's no reason to get up on stage year after year if you're not improving so being able to have those conversations with your coach and with yourself are going to be the big movers there
0: i love that basically just understanding that your physique actually changes in the building season not Mm -hmm. if we're constantly spending time in fat loss and also accepting that's typically going to take a lot longer than we wanted it to and again like you're Building your improvement season taking in nearly two years is such a good example of that. And again, pro- that's probably a relatively average or even like short timeline for a lot of building seasons. Would you say that's accurate?
1: Uh, I would a lot of people do less than a year even like a lot of people be like oh my improvement season's like three months and then get back on stage or it'll be six months um, or a year so it's not that often that people wait too much longer than a year and a half at least Uh from what I've seen and especially as it gets more competitive I mean the competitors compete year after year at the top level but that's a little Mm -hmm. bit different than when you're looking at a regional national stage before you turn pro Um, or if you turn pro and then you go to your first show and you get last place, obviously, there's more to improve upon there. Um, But it is something that I do want to say there's a difference between time away from stage and taking an improvement season. Because we've had clients where they've been like, hey, I've been away from stage for um, or people that come to us, I've been away from stage for a year, like I think I'm ready to prep. And it's like, you were away from stage, but you weren't having an improvement season. You took time away, but maybe you weren't tracking, you weren't regularly training, you didn't have these different things locked down and you didn't see progress within the metrics that you needed to within your physique. So we need to take X amount of time for it to actually be improvement versus just time away. So I think that's an important distinction as well of not just looking at it of, I took X amount of time away, um, like I have done in past improvements Improvement seasons but truly being like i improved during this time frame
0: this is such a good episode from the, the <laughs> mindset perspective especially i love just all the gyms that you're dropping here i don't have anything to add to that but that is just so <laughs> applicable um i love that so outside of everything we've talked about is there anything else you feel like we haven't touched on yet That you've done a lot differently this improvement season that's made it more successful. And I know we've gone pretty in depth here. So if nothing stands out there, that's perfectly fine.
1: Yeah, um, I would say a few things. So one, um, in regards, I was literally just talking to Alex about this the other day. I feel like a lot of my success within this improvement season has been first being able to truly study the sport and understand like what the judges are looking for, what's doing well, all that kind of stuff to truly perfect things. So we do have a podcast series about things to know as a first time competitor and they're pretty jam packed episodes because they talk about there's like three of them out now, and there's a fourth and fifth coming. Um, but it talks about all the things needed for stage, and it's a lot. And so I feel like I'm not stressed about how my tan is going to look, how my posing is going to be, how my hair, my makeup, and all of that. That's one huge chunk of competing. That's no more stress for me because I've gotten that figured out, so to speak. Um, and I've kind of nailed that down from studying the sport. It's something that we've gone back through, um, pictures of all of the class winners over the past few years years, see how things have changed, what judges are liking, what they're not liking, all of that to truly understand the sport so much better instead of just like, oh, that girl looks good of knowing the metrics and all of that. But another aspect is really working on my core throughout that time. So um, in past improvement seasons, my core has honestly been a pretty weak spot. Um, and it's something where I haven't like I don't have the smallest waist ever. Like some girls get to like 21 inches <laughs> or 19 inches. I'm like, holy crap, where are your organs? Um, and so it was something where really working on consistently doing stomach vacuums was huge, working on my TVA was huge. Um, and being able to work on diaphragmic breathing and inner core work to make sure that I was doing everything I could to get my core in the best spot as well as focusing on digestion. So I'm not having like distention or problems in that regard, because that can be a bad look when your stomach's just blown out. Um, but with that, not only has it helped my look, but it's helped my training, which has helped me improve a ton. So my glutes have come up a ton this season. I'm super. Super proud of everything that's happened within my glute training. And I feel like a huge portion of that is not only nailing down the movements that work for me, but also having my core and my core box, my pelvic floor, so much stronger to be able to handle more load and handle it more efficiently, where I can go through these movements, and it's not my core giving out and then causing lower back pain and all these other things. I'm able to truly understand what that looks like in the metric of training. Um, and on the note of training, of again, I kind of mentioned it of finding the movements that work for me. And this is something that took multiple years. Like I said, I've been competing since 2016. This didn't all happen in one improvement season. So again, if you're listening to this, if you're newer to competing, or anything like that, again, recognize time is going to be your friend. And there's a lot that happens with time. And so within that, I was able to really nail down and Alex being my coach, who is so smart with training um, and so intelligent. So that's another aspect of having a coach that is super intelligent within training and then being someone intelligent enough to execute it. So having a coach that's as good as Alex could be worth nothing in comparison to a lesser knowledgeable coach on training if you personally as a client don't know how to execute. So you not understanding RPR, RIR, you not understanding tempo, you not having great execution or even understanding what muscle group you're working, how you're lengthening and shortening the muscle and how you can improve on that, then that can kind of be in a place of like, well, I could do the same training and not see the same results because You weren't able to execute it or contract your musculature the same way. And so that was another huge aspect for me of having that. And then us being able to be collaborative as coaches, since we're both coaches, we both coach competitors. Alex uh, coaches competitors at a higher level. Um, I coach more of like first time competitors, Um, but we're still able to have those conversations and truly get to the bottom of what's going to be best. Um, Regular body work was huge of being able to get massages, do yoga and take care of my health. That's a huge thing where people in the improvement season let go of the reins pretty loose, and it puts them in a spot where then they, again, they gain unnecessary weight, they they do feel uncomfortable in their body because they have gained unnecessary weight, they want to diet sooner, they're drinking maybe a lot of alcohol, they're not getting good sleep, all these different things that during prep are all nailed down. So my sleep was a huge priority. Still getting in my water was a huge priority, focusing on my mental health to also get ready for a prep because it's very mentally taxing. And what you see your body go through is hard and what you have to push your mind through. Like I said, your bo- your mind's going to give out before your body. So being able to work on my mental health, being able to make sure that I had enough time away to feel rested to go into a prep because my 2020 prep took a whole whole lot out of me. It was a six month prep because of COVID and it was so hard and mentally taxing with everything going on with COVID. Um, so that, that was difficult. Um, and then it was something of, um, like I said, sleep, stress, mental health, um, and taking the rest and the time that I needed. Um, and then again, making sure that I was eating good quality foods. I was focusing on what made my digestion feel the best. Um, I was still nailing down the metrics that mattered. And so that was a huge, huge part of being successful in improvement season. Instead of saying, Oh, I don't have to be as stringent. I'm going to kind of let go of the reins. I said, okay, I don't have to be as stringent. I'm going to be a little bit more flexible but I still, again, have that major goal in mind. And I also like what I tell myself and how I visualize things for myself is when I'm feeling like, oh, I don't want to really do that right now and have that mindset, we all have it, or we're just like, oh, do I really have to right this second? No, I'm going to skip it kind of thing. I tell myself that at the end of a season or like when I'm on stage, First, I don't want to feel and be like, I could have done more. That's a really crappy feeling to be after you've put in so much time and money um, into something. But the other aspect was I didn't want to sit there and either have Alex make a post about me or me make a post and say, I did everything I needed to do. I accomplished everything I wanted to. I did every cardio session, all that, if I knew it wasn't true. And I also didn't want to make a post saying I didn't do all of that. And so it wasn't necessarily like the external accountability, but it was the fact that I had personally decided that I wanted to accomplish something. And I knew that I would be letting myself down massively if I didn't execute that on a daily basis to make it that way. Because I knew how bad I would feel if I was standing on that stage and didn't do what I needed to do. And so it's always the thing that I'm like, do you want to stand there? And I I knew like if I got last place, at least I would get last place fighting instead of Mm -hmm. sitting there and being like, you got last place because you literally didn't put into this what you wanted out of it. And that would be so awful to put so much into it and still realize you weren't doing what you needed to do. So that's always like my mentality of like, I don't want to suck. I just want to accomplish this and want it to happen. Um, But I, I think that it's so multifaceted and something that, I know that Jeremiah and his coaches post push forward as well as all of the coaches at PD that you need to focus on your health first. And that's the biggest Thing If you don't focus on those metrics, if you don't focus on how am I going to be a healthier person mentally, physically, emotionally, that's going to stunt your progress through and through. And if you don't focus on, hey, how is my sleep going to get better? How is my stress going to get better? How is my, um like, any of that going to get better, that all comes down to your health. And if you don't focus on that, you're not going to be as productive. You're not going to see as much progress often enough, or you're not going to be able to maintain or sustain that progress. So that's been a huge thing of just focusing on my health as a whole. And my hormones are in the best spot that they've ever been. Um, And that's been a huge part as well of that. Hey, I've done the work. I've focused on what I needed to focus on. And my body has thanked me for it because Because your body works like a well-oiled machine when you focus on your health. Um, And if you want it to be something that you need to pour a lot of WD-40 on, that's going to um, make things a little bit harder for you. Um, And I'm all about efficiency.
0: That is all so insightful. Would you say then that this mindset of kind of, I would hate to reach the end of this process and not feel like I put into it what I wanted to get out of it? Or like I half-assed it, I left something on the table. When we're looking at like your clients that you're coaching through a building phase, is that a similar mindset into what you're trying to instill in them? Or is it like somewhat different where you're trying to focus there? Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, I I think that it's... um... It's a little bit dependent on the person and how they respond to things. So some of these things I'm saying, or again, if you listen to like my fitness podcast, um, where I do talk about mindset and I get a pretty emo- not emotional and like passionate about how I feel about my past mindset, some of that might come across a little bit harsh, but it's also something that I needed to be harsh with myself to truly change because I was in a spot of like, n- like making promises to myself and constantly letting myself down or being in a spot where I was always the victim and all of this. So I needed that harshness for myself to be like, hey, motherfucker, get up and do the shit. Instead of sitting here feeling sorry for yourself and constantly saying like, well, like you are just a hard builder or you're in a spot where like it's because you're natural and that's why you're not progressing the same way. Those are such limiting beliefs. And it's something that I personally had to fight through to be able to make the shift. So I think it is situational of where someone's at in their fitness journey and where they're at in their mentality and mental health, because that's going to and how they respond to coaching as well, where some people are going to want that tough love and some people are going to want a little bit more not, um, uh, Not like coddling, but a little bit more of a cheerleader, a little bit more of a positive side. So that's one thing of like, I have to recognize how responsive someone is to something um, and then kind of contextualize where they are in their life. But it is something that I do tell people, hey, if you're doing this just for fun, go ahead and have that mentality. But if you want to win and you're doing this with me, I have this expectation of you and I want you to have the same expectation of yourself. So that's another thing. Again, back to the expectations where I set expectations with my clients of, hey, what are you wanting out of this? What are you wanting to accomplish? Because I'm not going to hear from your mouth that you want to be nationally competitive and then I see you not putting in that work. Because I'm going to be honest, I don't want to waste my time on someone who isn't doing what they've told me they want to do. So if they are wanting to take a slower approach, they have different things going on in their life that's fine. I'm not going to be mean about that. I'm not going to like yell in their face and be like, do better. Um, it's going to be something where I want to know what they want to do. And I'm going to hold them to that standard that they've set for themselves. Um, so I, I tell my clients often, I'm not going to allow you to be less than what I know you're capable of, just because it's getting hard right now. Um, and so that is something that I kind of talk through with them. Um, but, but each person is going to kind of garner that inner strength from a different spot. Um, And like for me, sometimes it's just like yelling at myself of like, do better, do the (laughs) thing. Because I need to just say that instead of just letting myself continue to have those self-limiting beliefs or continue to um, like just let myself compromise. uh, Because so much of the negative parts of my life have been because I've let myself down, because I've compromised, because I haven't showed up as what I know I can show up. Up as And that, if you've ever been through that personally, not reaching your potential or your capability, again, is a really crappy feeling. And once you've had it happen one time or a few times, you recognize that you want to do about everything you can to not have it happen again um, and not have that, that feeling that you have when you just let yourself down time and time again.
0: I can definitely relate to that. Do you feel like it's hard for you to draw the line between being too like too hard on yourself versus like I need to be harder on myself? Does that make sense? Where like, yeah. hey, this is just unnecessary. I'm actually being too hard on myself this is actually being detrimental. Is it hard for you to draw that line?
1: It is sometimes and it kind of depends on what else going on in life um, and what stressors I'm not addressing. Um, So I do know it it, like ultimately comes down to me. Um, So for example, a few weeks ago, I started to get into like a really negative like Thought pattern because I felt like I was not showing up in business the way that I needed to And I started to like say that I was stupid and I was like i'm You're just an idiot and you can't do this and being so mean to myself and I was like All right, let's cut the crap. Like, you don't need to push yourself that way. Let's go ahead and address why you feel that way. And then being able to kind of get to the root of that. And it really helps because Alex and I, within our communication, like I said, as a married couple, as a business, as business partners, and as coach client, we've gotten really good at communicating. Um, Not that we're perfect because we're not, but we've gotten really good at communicating. It's something I'm really proud of. And so, within that, it's something that like in that situation, he'll be like, hey, as a husband, I need you to know this. As a business partner, I need you to stop doing this and move into this position and do what you need to do. Um, It's something where I've gotten really into football this year. um, And we were watching the man in the arena, the Tom Brady um, series on Hulu. And um, it shows a lot of Bill Belichick. And he always says, just do your job. So whenever football plays are going wrong, it's because someone's not doing their job job. And so he'll show up and he'll be like, just do your job, like stop all the extra stuff, just do your job when you let yourself get in your head. And when you start having these internal slippery slopes, that's when people make mistakes. That's when they mess up and all of that. So I have to remind myself of doing the job as well as again, just reflecting on that mental side, because there there is a definite line of when you are pushing yourself and it's positive, and you're pushing yourself and it turns very negative. And so the more self-awareness you can have, the better that can be as well because past Sue who wasn't as self-aware isn't going to recognize that, isn't going to see those trends, isn't going to see those changes the same way that I am now. So a lot of it, again, comes to your health as a mental health as well, and being able to know yourself and know your body. Because the more that you know your body and the more that you dig into you, the easier things are going to get in the way that you're not constantly fighting against yourself. You already have enough to fight against in a day-to-day basis. Don't add yourself to the mix. Um, It makes it a lot harder.
0: (laughs) I think that is such a good way to sum all this up. Um, I want to be super respectful of your time, Sue. So before I let you go here, will you just tell everyone where they can find you and anything at all you'd like to plug?
1: Yeah, uh, you can find me on Instagram at Sue Gaines, G A I N. Z. <laughs> I was spelling it too quickly. I was like, oh crap, did I just misspell that? <laughs> so S-U-Z and then Gaines. Um, and then you can find me on our website, which is just PhysiqueDevelopment.com. I'm sure he'll have it linked in the show notes. We also have our podcast, which is a Physique Development podcast. And we go over things for general health as well as a competition. Like I said, we have the series on um, the first time competitor. So um, it's something that we've really been enjoying being more consistent on. Um, You can also find us on YouTube, Physique Development. Just search that and you'll find us. We have a ton of videos on exercise execution um, and going through uh, a lot of things as far as nutrition as well. And we're going to be getting back into a lot of videos here soon, which we're very, very excited about. Um, And where else can you find me? I'm trying on TikTok. Okay. I just like started it. Just a a little bit. (laughs) <laughs> it is still Sue Gaines as well, but um, very new. Uh, we'll we'll see how that goes. <laughs> um, I think that's all the places that I am. Yeah.
0: Perfect. <laughs> I'll link all that up in the show notes. And again, thank you for being here.
1: Of course. Yeah. I loved being on. Um, And again, really appreciate you and your whole coaching team and just love that we've been able to have the communication and the collaboration that we have because I think that it's huge for coaches to learn from other coaches to respect other coaches and to build those relationships and not just for networking sake but no coach knows everything and also it's something we're hearing someone something from a different person's perspective or because they've worked with a different type of clientele is always so telling um, and so opening so as much as you can keep an open mind and not just view everyone as competition um, it's something where you can really learn learn and grow together and continue to come up. So I really appreciate just being on your podcast for a second time. Um, And I appreciate that you and Andrea and your team just are so kind and respectful for everything within physique development does not go unnoticed. Um, And it's something that I really value what you're doing and what you're pushing forward as well. So um, I'm happy to, to give some of my time to you and to be on here. So thank you for having me.
0: Of course, it has been an honor. And thank you for the words. Again, I appreciate you coming on.
1: You're welcome.